All right, hello, welcome to the after party. We are here. We had a little tech difficulties there, getting started. Yeah, I was waiting for the intro, and then I was mm -hmm. like, oh, and then it was just the us. Screen. The music was introing, <laughs> but it was just us sitting there watching the intro on the screen. So welcome. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Michael. How are you? Good to see everyone there. Well, welcome to the after party. I'm going to run yeah. through. I got to figure out what uh, cameras are what here. There's okay, Bobby. Okay, yeah. No. Is that Bobby? Yeah, that's Bobby. That's me. There's us. Excellent. We're pretty interchangeable. I know. No. Really. <laughs> we got the same haircut, basically. I know. <laughs> My, although mine's getting a little long, but other than that, basically, I just, I just ask for the Bobby when I go in. So. My hairstylist says, "Are you ready for your bobbing, mm -hmm. <laughs> the bob?" I just ask for. Hey, uh, Andy's here, Peter's here. Thanks, guys. Oh, nice, Welcome. Nice, nice. Uh, I always ask every time I go to the barber. He's like, "What do you want?" I'm like, "Shorter." <laughs> what do you think I'm here for? I want my hair I move my part. shorter than it used to be. Now, my part, it just like falls in the middle all the time. So as long as you cut it shorter, You did have a swooping thing once, didn't you? A I think... A swoop, didn't you? There's a picture that sometimes surfaces yeah. when you did some people's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> if I swoop my hair, it looks like I'm balding <laughs> and I'm trying to compensate for it. Okay. That's the that's the problem there, that's right there. Ridiculous. Look at that. that. I'm looking at myself right now. That looks like I am. I'm balding and compensating. So. Yeah, I've you know I've not had a lot of hairstyles over the years, but you know. there there has been some variation. So. There has been. Yeah, well, I'm welcome. How's everybody doing tonight? Not, not just you, <laughs> I'm un although we're going to get to that, but I just mean, how's everybody Trace doing in the live stream? Not to speak to me, just the comments. <laughs> it's going to be a long hour here. Uh, um, because... Yeah, well, we were talking about... Exactly. That was, I was going to uh, use a... Okay, go for it, pal. <laughs> go for it. Take it away. No, I, I just, I love, but I know, I knew 1999 Jeremy. He looked basically the there same. There it is, there it 1999, is. 1999 Jeremy, come on. When I was 20 years old, how was that? I mean... I don't know how old I was then. Um, yeah, we were talking today because yeah. energy levels were pretty low around the yeah. office today. Yes, Although they perked too. up when I bought a pizza. Because <laughs> Domino, yeah, Larissa wanted pizza. And it was half price Domino's for but lunch. Even that, you didn't get as much um, traction on that. It was a little blip of energy. And then, yeah, and then it came down. Yeah. And I think we were asking why. Yeah. I think it's the weather. Like, I think it's like fall has finally showed up. Some you know. of us had to scrape our cars this morning. Yeah. That was a reality. And I think, and it's darker, right? Like, yeah. like it was dark when we came in to record this already. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, well into the night. <laughs> so I think I think part of it is it just takes time to adjust to yeah. those changes, right? Yeah. Like it's okay. We'll be okay. It's, oh, we'll all be okay. I, I also think. I mean, I was joking about this when I came in tonight that, like, in lots of ways, my life doesn't look so different right you know I, I yeah. people may not know this about me but I didn't have like a crazy <laughs> social life or anything I keep it pretty simple mm. but then I still think I'm absorbing or like processing some loss so we just came through a long weekend right and I mean we work on Sundays so long weekends right. are always kind of weird for us but I, I I don't know if other people also just like kind of skip Thanksgiving this year. Mm. Like, did you guys do anything? Did your family? Uh, we actually did. We got oh. together. I know. Normally we don't, but well, I feel less. Cool we actually did now. see some friends and stuff. So I had some tofurkey. Um, oh, uh, nice. You know, it's the funny thing. This is this is a side note. But uh, Nancy was messaged me. Nancy Bechet, who sometimes is here at the after party. I don't know if she's watching right now, but if she is, say hi. Uh, she was like, "Hey, how was your tofurkey for Thanksgiving?" Like joking with me. The funny thing is, we went to our friends. 
uh, we ordered Indian and stuff, but they're like, when we were leaving, they're like, hey, do you want this? And they pulled a tofurkey out of their freezer. Yeah. And they're like, we got this at the health food store as a like gift or something. And they're like, we're not eating this weird thing. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it, I'll try it. So, Did you make it? No, I haven't, I haven't oh, eaten it yet, okay. I haven't tried it, so. Right. But I have, so I actually have a tofurkey I don't in my freezer right now. What do with that in my brain? Yeah. What? I don't even know what to do with it in my freezer. Don't. So, <laughs> how's that for a setup? Here's, so this is a side tof- note. It's just tofu. No. That's so here's the like thing. Tofurkey was is a brand, oh. right? And they used to sell like these tofu replacements for things. Okay. The problem is they're a big brand. They've been around for a long time, but the market has shifted. Mm-hmm. And, like nobody eats like fake tofu right. turkey anymore. Right. Like there's new brands like Field Roast and stuff. And they're not trying to make fake meat. They're just making like a... A thing you can eat. Yeah, a loaf of thing that can be your, you know, your centerpiece or whatever. So like Tofurky is like trying to rebrand. So you look at all their advertising, it says Tofurky really small. And then it's like plant-based. Oh, okay, sure. But it's just interesting to watch the way that like vegetarian food used to be a decade ago to what it's become now. Yeah, Yeah, so anyway. Okay. To forget. I've never had it. I'll try it out. How did we get to that? Energy though? levels. Energy levels yeah, because of I was trying to make the point that, yes. yeah, that we've come through a long weekend that even, you know, I maybe would have, like, gone and seen some family. Yeah. And I didn't do that. Right. And it sort of feels like, is the loss of this time sort of present yeah. a little bit more emotionally Could be. coming through a long weekend? We're like, oh, right. I don't have Yeah, you feel that a bit more. Than... For months and months or... People who hmm. normally gather with a lot Although of people. I personally, I know, and I know your partner probably feels the same way. Like <laughs> a lot of the pressure's off to just know, like be exactly. social. Yeah. So like, there's things I miss, yeah. but one of them is not the pressure to like <laughs> hang out with people all the time. <laughs> so that, that part I like. So. I know. Ashley's I joking know. here. She knew me when I was a youth pastor with Joe. So that was 2004. All right, actually, like, you know. <laughs> Five years. Yeah, ago. That was only, that was only that was only 15 <laughs> years ago. But 15 years ago, Jeremy was younger. <laughs> I don't know what that and means exactly. And that's the wisdom and uh, profundity <laughs> that you came for tonight. That's, that's right. It. Welcome uh, to the after party. Yes, yes. Low energy hmm. after party, but we're happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, well, I can tell you something that I am excited about. I would like to hear that. Yeah, let's hear it. Halloween. You're, are you a big Halloween oh person? Oh my goodness. Really? Just yesterday. Last Why did night, I not? How do I not I know this about you? I looked out the window and I said to Jonathan, I was like, oh my gosh, our neighbors are setting up more Halloween decorations. And he looked at me and did the same thing. He's like, every year I forget this about you. <laughs> that makes <laughs> me feel I, a little better if your own husband was like, what? Partner was like, this is so weird that you love it. I love Halloween. I okay. lo- I'm, I'm a bit nostalgic for it. But I love it spiritually. All right. Like, I You're going to have to explain that, so. Okay, so <laughs> I, I almost forget how much I love it. And then I saw, uh, like, a dangling hand <laughs> in my, you know, like a, a limb. And then I went by uh, another house when I was on a walk. And there was a skeleton just, like, like looking out the window. And I giggled out loud. Like, okay. so what I love about Halloween is that we take the thing we're most afraid of, we put it on our front lawn, and we make a joke of it. Okay. I find it okay, yeah, I an can... incredible like experience of like a play with our fear. Hmm. That like that like you don't have, and it's connected to All Saints yeah. in terms of the yeah, liturgical definitely. calendar. So I get really excited about thinking about dead people, like, <laughs> what they mean to me. I love Halloween. I love Halloween. <laughs> 
That's so funny Spiritually. sounding. Okay. And I, and I love the, like, kind of, as the years go on, like, the gorier, grosser. <laughs> like, I keep seeing this figure that's, like, like a rotting mummy. And I giggle. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I mean, what? I don't have any, like, aversion to these things. I'm just so surprised that this I, is your thing. It's maybe my favorite holiday. It's very strange to me. Okay. I love it. I love we were out uh, I'm walking. I'm curious about other people. Like, do people, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I hate it. I hate it. I, it scares me. It scares my children. I mean, there's, like, there can be too much. I mean, we went for a walk with Eaton uh, the other night to the neighborhood. And he loves it because he was all excited because there was yeah. a house that was, it was funny. Um, it was an older couple, yeah. but they happened to be sitting out in their deck and they had decorated. But he didn't see them and I noticed them. And as we're walking by, he's like, Dad, that's amazing. He's like, they got a spider and it's gone. And I could see them just like, they were both just so like old couple just sitting out there and just smiling because he is like oh, oblivious to the fact they were sitting there. But was just enamored with these decorations as we walked by. So it's like, oh, that probably made their night that they put in all this work. I love it. I love it. Well, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan. And Halloween was this time when, like, everybody comes out and you go to, you try to hit up all the houses in the village. And then the next day on the school bus, you see, like, what places got, like, tricked. There'd be, like, eggs on. It was just, like, this really strange juxtaposition of, like, trust. Uh-huh. And like, like <laughs> <Hey>. delinquency. <laughs> okay. But I love it. So I, a couple comments here. Yeah. I actually well, say my husband love loves it. it. There we go. I don't get it. Oh, I was never allowed to go trick or treating. Oh, that's that's disappointing. So sorry oh, about man. that. I think you can recover. Um, but also, Michael, Six Sense movie. Six Sense movie is oh, yeah. legitimately like a really great movie. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so well constructed yeah. and. Anybody who tells me, they're like, oh, I saw it coming. I'm like, I don't believe you. Yeah. The first time you see it, you didn't you see it coming. Someone it's so well done. You. But the, so. this is the thing about Halloween is like, I, I was just thinking about one memory I have yeah. of trick-or-treating as a kid. And I remember one of the households, the, the woman who I knew and like went to church, went to mass with okay. and rode the school bus with her kids. She opened the door all dressed like a really scary lady and it freaked me out. But in the next moment, I laughed so hard. Like... Okay. Okay. That you can put those things side by side. You can be terrified yeah, and think you're okay. going to lose your life. And then you can be like giggling hysterically with your friends. Like, oh my gosh, that scared them. Yeah. There's a, there's <laughs> a very big anything? house in our neighborhood. I don't yeah. know what they're going to do this year. Now, obviously, they're quite wealthy, but they usually have like a food truck. Okay. And so, no yeah, when you trick or treat, you go up and they decorate the whole place. They do a big maze oh and you gosh. go to the maze and then you get a ticket. And then you can use the ticket to go to the food truck to get like whether it's empanadas yeah. or mini donuts or something like that. And they do it for the whole neighborhood. I mean, let's just so. talk about, yeah. In, in that, I mean, in, that's cool. In another time, I'm not sure what Halloween will even look like exactly. in this time. But that, like, that people are out and yeah. walking up to each other's houses, yep. that sort of, like, sense of, like, I trust you, at mm. least on this night. To do you see what the city was talking about? Like, doing these, like, uh, no. candy shoots. They wanted people <laughs> to buy, like, big PVC pipes. Come on! You, like, put it on your thing. And then the people come out, you, like, lower your pipe into their bag and, like fire a candy down into their bag or something like that. This so. is my first year with like a house with a door. Yeah. Like, I Are you in a neighborhood where you'll get a lot of kids? Oh today? yeah, there are tons okay. of kids. So we're in a neighborhood where there's a ton of kids, yeah. but we're on a, by, by the way, way that, that should, should sound better actually right, right now. Does that, Does that sound, sound better, everyone? Um, we're in a neighborhood where, we're in a, on a part of the street where the 
uh, just uh, not a lot of kids come to our okay, house. Okay. But if okay. we go out, um, then there's, there's tons of happening. kids around and oh, stuff. So we it. see a lot of them. So I think I had the audio wrong. So that might sound oh, a little okay. better to everyone. I mean, you could hear us, obviously, because people were interacting with us. It wasn't turned yeah, off. Yeah, okay. But. Yeah, no one said anything. I don't oh, think. We'll, we'll see what they say. <laughs> now, they're still adapting to how fantastic. <laughs> Probably the volume just went way up and they're like, ah, I got to turn the volume yeah, down. Yeah, so. okay, okay. Anyway. Oh, it's happening. All right. Wait, it no, got better. Weird. There we go. It sounded really echoey for a bit. Better okay. now. There okay, we go. Okay, Andy's always good to tell us what's up. Yeah. How, well, you know what? Okay. We, Halloween. I just wanted to, to talk party this about... Far, we're still having tech problems, but... <laughs> second season. Yeah. yeah, second season. We're still figuring this out. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Halloween. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. My it. son's been asking it, about it. Yeah, what are you guys so. thinking of doing? I don't know. I, th I mean, part of it will depend on what it feels like as the as it gets closer. Yeah, like, in terms of numbers. If, and yeah, and if, in terms of the neighborhood. Like, yeah. if people are out. Yeah, I see more and more decorations so. every day. So I, I Yeah, Klaus, you saying we sounded spooky. Oh, yes. of the echo, so that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we put this on the podcast, people are like, oh, yeah, it's an effect we applied for the spooky <laughs> so conversation. Good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> So. Oh gosh, I love, I, lo I, do, I could just talk about Halloween forever. I think it's so cool hmm. and beautiful and gross yeah. all at the same time. So why don't you, I mean, we got onto this already. Why don't you explain All Saints if people are listening yeah. that don't know about All Saints Day? I mean, yeah, it's, well, the uh, Halloween is All Hallows Eve, the Eve before All Saints. And it is, I mean, what historically is a day to remember the saints of the past mm -hmm. and um, have some sort of liturgy around that. But also, I mean, when we say saints, yeah. uh, we mean that in the in the broader context. Yeah. All Saints Day isn't just about sort of saints of the Catholic Church. Oh, right. It's about, you know, saints who have been part of the Christian story and yeah. part of the body named of Christ. Unnamed, yeah, that say. have that have passed in, in remembering that. Yeah. And I think it's one of those um, moments in the liturgical year, even after I sort of came to understand the beauty in that and we had adopted a lot of those traditions. It was one of the later ones in my life that I sort of realized, oh, like this is significant yeah. to remember this moment and to think about yeah. it. So. I mean, I really love the emphasis that the Eastern Orthodox Church puts on mm -hmm. um, your your worship is always, you, like yeah. you worship with the saints. Right. You know, you sort of worship with those who've gone before you. That's mm -hmm. a very real experience in the liturgy of right. the Orthodox Church. And I've always really enjoyed that in my imagination and mm -hmm. I think even in my spirituality so yeah. and I, I know um, since we've incorporated that into some of our rhythms at Commons mm. um, it's been meaningful for people even to have that moment throughout the year that's not connected to necessarily like an anniversary of somebody's death mm -hmm. but that moment to remember that and to reflect on that and it's, it brings you know, sad memories as yeah. well, but also that moment in the year to, to reflect and look back and yeah. understand, you know, the beauty of what we lost and, and how we lean into yeah. that and all those types of things. So it's, you know, um, personally, but then also as a community, it's become yeah. a significant piece. I think that's a beautiful point, actually. When I lived in Vancouver in my last, like, housing configuration, mm -hmm. I lived with a family, so I lived, like, in their attic. <laughs> and I, like, came and went through This is house. why you love Halloween, is because you lived in an attic know, for all those years. I like, I'm a ghoul. You, you climbed out of the attic to scare the children, Whoa. so. <laughs> it was very spooky. But they actually incorporated All Saints liturgy into their family practice. So the night... Uh, that the kids would go out trick-or-treating and in their costumes we'd have dinner together and I didn't always have dinner with them but I had dinner with them on All Hallows Eve and uh, we would light a candle and 
these children would take a moment to say and speak about someone that they've lost. Okay. They had a grandmother, yep. you know, and uh, a good family friend who had mm -hmm. died. So it was always like a part of their tradition that mm -hmm. on this sort of spooky night where they go out and do some trick-or-treating, like you also take a moment to remember those yep. who have died. Okay. And it was like beautiful. And they would weave in a little bit of like the liturgy from Celtic daily prayer. Interesting. It was beautiful. And it was all like kind of taking yep. the liturgy of the community. Um, not that our community necessarily did something like mm -hmm. that, but it's a larger um, Christian practice to remember the saints that have gone before you and then to make it really personal in their family kind of liturgy. Not that they did a lot of those things. Well, we got two time. more two more Tuesdays to talk about Halloween before oh, big so day. Great. So great. Save, save it up. You can talk about <laughs> Halloween next week. So. Okay, that's great. <laughs> All right. Sounds so much like okay. uh, Deo de los Mertes. Um, oh, yeah. What's the... Uh, the Pixar film. Yeah, it's lovely. About the little boy. Somebody help us out. That, uh, yeah, it's sweet. Uh, Coco. Yeah. It's a pretty good little movie. Cute it's little good. movie. So. It is good. Yeah. Today, That's for whatever reason, there's uh, quite a delay on the oh, yeah. comments uh, coming in between the streams. So if it takes us a little bit to get back to comments, um, just give us a little grace. Yeah. It's, uh, it's there it is. Andy's yeah. with the Coco there. Okay. So okay. we'll get to him. Anyway, this is good. But we'll save some Halloween talk okay, for okay, later. Okay, okay. Well, maybe we'll do costumes. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I hate dressing the up. Tuesday, so the Tuesday before. Uh, oh, yeah. that's so good. Remember, remember when we did I actually really want a witch hat. When we did staff <laughs> costumes. Maybe like two years that's ago. That's right. On Tuesday, we, we made did. all the staff wear we costumes did. to work. Yeah, I did, I did a good beach time. Bobby instead of beach, beach Barbie. Bobby. Do you remember? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't even remember what I did. And Kevin had like spooky games for us. That was really fun. Hilarious. That was fun. All right. All right. Where are we going tonight? Uh, so good. Okay. So um, Scott preached on Sunday, yeah. which I always feel kind of funny that it's the two of us talking about someone else's sermon. Every, but it's every small group in our church does this. They I talk know, about the sermons. I you always say that. And I'm like, you're right. That's right. But I still feel weird about it. Um, Talking about and, what we learned. I mean, my experience of Scott's sermon was I kept... Uh, kind of grabbing onto something he'd say and I was like that's beautiful mm. that's a beautiful thing right. and I'd want to just like sit in that moment and think about it a little bit yeah. more old man poet Scott that's what we call him that's, staff. that's what we call him <laughs> when he writes the prayers for the daily prayers yeah. I'll be like ah oh, old man poet yeah. Scott that's although a, to be fair yeah. everybody who writes those prayers are always like they're mind blowing right. like, they're all, I'm all, every, like, every day I'm like what <laughs> again again I'm like so I'm impressed you read them <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. We we do call Scott old man poet Scott. <laughs> does he know that? Probably not. I don't know. He does <laughs> now. He's him. now watching tonight. Hopefully, now he's leading a marriage course. Oh, that's right. Yes, marriage <laughs> courses tonight. Also, so right the second night. Absolutely. Which is great. Uh, so I thought we could talk a little bit about it. It. I had a moment where I was like, ah, oh, yes, sermons are right. beautiful. Yeah. Like I really, I, we value that in our voice here. And uh, I thought we could just talk about like, why should a sermon be beautiful? And then mm. talk about some of the things that were beautiful um, in Scott's message. So, Which is a really interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Way to set it up. <laughs> So prepare yourself. It's going to be so interesting. <laughs> it's not going to be like our other conversations, our uninteresting ones. No, but yeah. I think the idea of um, so I don't know. Wait, what is a sermon for? Yeah. Why would it be? Why would it need to be beautiful? So what you grew up in a number of different traditions. I know I have. Uh, but where is where is most of where would you say most of your theological training was situated in terms of tradition? 
Like you went to Regent. Yeah, I went to Regent. Um, yeah. And well, and why I ask that, that is because there is um, there's a a section of sort of Protestant Christianity that thinks of the sermon as um, information dissemination, yeah. like right that you yeah. what a sermon is about is good theology. Yes, right. So sure. you dissect the text. You try your best to get this sort of um, clear, unbiased, untainted interpretive exegesis of the scripture, and then you communicate that to people. Right. And if you happen to be a good communicator, great. Right. But really, the point of a sermon yeah. is to exegete this and get it across. Yes, I see. Oh. And that's a type, of, I mean, that is, a, in my undergrad, that's the sort of homiletics that I really learned about. Mm-hmm. And I learned about, oh, like, you can have a hook and you can have yeah. a little... Hook, um, book, look. That's right. I remember learning that. <laughs> in like, yeah. But at the end of the day, the whole concept of a sermon was still... Um, come up with some timeless truth that's untainted by you as a human person right. and communicate that as clearly as possible. And somewhere over the years, you know, my concept of what a sermon in is has changed. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm interested, like, did your, did, yeah. as we talk about beauty, and we'll talk about why in a moment, mm. have you moved in terms of your thinking about a sermon? You know, I think that that was certainly how homiletics was taught to me. That right. very Protestant, like you, uh, you're you're making a, you're choosing a text, mm-hmm. you're doing your study, you're making three points with each of your sections. You know, this is your kind of big God idea. Um, but the things that really made me interested in homiletics were like these moments when I think back in my theological training when people spoke about preaching as something poetic. Right. And uh, like Walter Brueggemann's Finally sure. Comes the Poet was uh, such an influential book that was like a voice rising up from mm-hmm. these like, this is how you dissect the thing and then put it in front of the people and yep. they fill in the blanks on the page. And, yep. <laughs> you know, and then there was like Brueggemann's like, it must mm-hmm. be beautiful or it will reduce... Um, reduce the profound mm-hmm. experience of a community coming together around a sacred yep. text, um, considering what was ancient for our current moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because I remember, I remember early in my, and again in seminary it was different, but in my undergrad, my my undergrad is in theology as well, um, but it was that idea that like you, you don't want too much of your personality or performance to come through like you want to point people to the scriptures which is true in a sense but there's almost this sort of like um push back against the idea of of performance Mm. as a as a part of a sermon right you know now it's funny because you look at some of those sort of really um rigid conservative fundamentalist expressions of preaching and they are all about performative performative voice performative language and all that kind of stuff but it wasn't named and that was almost seen as a negative (laughs) and over the years the more i started actually preaching to people Mm -hmm. to audiences and then hearing back from them um, what was happening in them as I preached, I began to realize, oh, that the pure information that I'm trying to communicate is not what is actually impacting people. And it's not actually even the thing that people are taking away from it. Yes. Right? I thought I was saying this. They heard this other right. thing. 
And then I started to understand that, oh, actually, maybe that's actually the point, huh, is that the spirit is doing something in someone as you speak. Yeah. And then I not just realized that, but then I began to lean into that piece and say, oh, so it is a performance because you're drawing yeah. something out of people. Now, you know, it's not a stand-up comedy routine. Yeah. Like you're trying to communicate something of God, but if anything, you're trying to invite people into your experience of God mm-hmm. more than some pure antiseptic you know, um, objective experience yeah. of God that doesn't really exist. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, it doesn't exist because it always comes through a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's, yeah, I think it's interesting to think about. I hadn't thought about this question of beauty in preaching in terms of where I picked it up on, mm-hmm. where that value came from for me. But I remember these moments again, like <clears throat> sort of speaking. I remember um, – Maxine Hancock, who was one of the professors at Regent, um, she also did a lot of teaching around literature and um, spiritual memoirs and things mm-hmm. like that, which I love. So <clears throat> I remember the lecture where she, how did it was just you know those moments that are just like kind of vibrating with something really important for you, and mm-hmm. she was like, "We need the poets, mm-hmm. like we need the storytellers, right. you know, in in our pulpits." And it was one of those moments where I was like. I felt, you know, my heart strangely warmed (laughs) (laughs) in such an important way. So um, and then I think what has moved me or what has really shaped me has been like a a, a lot of beauty, Mm -hmm. a lot of things said beautifully or carefully. Um, So I think I've always like liked words and I like I like the care with Mm -hmm. words. So I've enjoyed that I want to continue this, yeah. but it does remind me, I've been reading a lot of uh, James Cone mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, um, but one of the things that Cone brings to his theology is this idea that um, there is, there's no such thing as a disembodied theology. So nobody reads um, scripture from a point of neutrality. Mm-hmm. We're always reading through lenses, but in his particular um, you know, awareness as a black theologian, mm-hmm. you know, part of what he's writing about is this idea that um, any any theologian, any preacher who claims to speak in a neutral way mm-hmm. is, you know, again, he's talking in a particular context of America, but he's saying that's inherently racist because it's assuming the neutrality of you and your your st- starting point. Um, now in America, that that tends to be white, yeah. um, and it does too in Canada as well. But his his larger truth in that is that anytime we assume that our reading is neutral, mm-hmm. um, that it's untainted by anything right. around us, and that it is it is true in and of itself, yeah. we're necessarily excluding I think, yeah, all of the I've voices been around really us. Suspicious of and also, but here's what I was going to say: I'm preaching. We're excluding all the voices of the people in our audiences that are listening to us, Mm -hmm. right? So if we get up and we say, this is a neutral, completely unbiased reading, we're necessarily excluding all of those voices in our communities that are Mm -hmm. adding to the conversation in their own way, in their own head right now. And so finding ways to preach that lean more into the poetic that brings it out of you Mm -hmm. rather than always a didactic that almost closes down what's exactly. happening inside of you becomes really important. <clears throat> and again, I, I'm reading him specifically mm-hmm. because I want to read, you know, a black theologian and I want to hear the critiques of, you know, um, white 
culture and white supremacy yeah. in my own voice. Yeah. But when I apply it to this conversation, you know, it's it's even that much more true. Yeah. That if I teach in a way that doesn't allow your voice as the listener yeah. to still remain speaking in your head. Right. Right. Then I've stolen something from you in my preaching rather than gifted something to you. Right. And, you know, that, that's been... Um, I think I've, I've understood that for a number of years now, uh-huh. but his language brought it out in a new way for me, which was kind of neat. So. Yeah. Huh. I like that. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's uh, some of the things I love about Brueggemann's language mm-hmm. around the, the poetry is the uh, moving away from that which reduces. So I like this idea that like y- your story mm-hmm. um, is a part of this mm-hmm. This There's a comment here. I'm like saying about expository or topical sermons, um, and just so everybody sort of understands some of those terms. Um, generally, what we tend to do at Commons is expository, um, and by that, what we mean is we will take a, a passage of scripture or a um, a series of passages, like we're doing in this Strange Exchange series. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're taking questions, but we're coming to those stories of Jesus' questions, and we're saying, well, what's going on here in this story? Right? Like, the point of the sermon is not to say anything in particular. It's to say, what is this story telling us? That, I would say that's probably, what, 70%, 75% of our year? Mm-hmm. You know, when we do Jonah, mm-hmm. it's like we're going to figure out, we're going to try mm-hmm. to, to talk about what Jonah is saying to us. Mm-hmm. Um, topical is what we do with things like swipe right. Yeah. We're talking about human sexuality. Mm-hmm. And then we'll sort of sift through the scriptures and say, okay, like what do the scriptures say about this topic? Right. And we do that. It's important. We're going to do forgiveness in the new year. Yeah. That's, that's topical. That's also how we approach the text with yeah. our lives. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm wondering about this. Yeah. So I think modeling that is important yeah. as well. But generally, I right. think the majority of what we do is expository because, and let's be honest here, it's just easier. Don't you find? You Maybe you're different, it. but I find I find expository easier. I'm like, give me a text. Let me do some research. Let yeah. me talk about it. Topical is always hard for I'm me. I'm not going to say one's easier than the other. <laughs> Non-committal. <laughs> I'm always wrestling. Bobby can do a, a topical sermon <laughs> on not commitment. not fighting all of it. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, yeah, it was um, looking through Brueggemann's work again mm-hmm. before I drove over and um, – and this will kind of lead us to Scott's sure. some of Scott's stuff. But one of the things he had written and finally comes the poet is um, the artful drama of hurt uh, healed requires an artful voice that stands shrewdly against the voices that either make guilt our fate or that offer healing too soon and too cheaply. Hmm. Um, there was just like I'd turn the page and see another underlined <laughs> bit. And it was just it's a, uh, reading Brueggemann is Beautiful. Yeah. Often. So, so um, thinking about Scott's message, he was dealing with the question, do you still not see or mm-hmm. understand? Um, what do you think he was doing with that question? Uh-huh. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting sermon because it was a really difficult text in some yeah. ways, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, one of the lines that we were talking about was his, um, what, was the, what was the one we talked about? His about... The way that Jesus speaks to the disciples there. The groan? The groan, yeah, yeah. Okay. The groan. What, what was his line? The groan. Used? Yeah. Uh, well, Scott took the word. Um, do you remember what it was? I don't remember the Greek word. Yeah. Um, I have it written, but I don't even want to say it because I'm probably yeah. wrong. Um, but Jesus' groan cuts off the question. So right. they, the Pharisees come, come at Jesus. Yeah. And then it says he 
he groans. He groans, yeah. Yeah, with like. And Scott had this very sort of generous, beautiful explanation of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a, it's a difficult text because he kind of groans, like in some ways it feels like a big eye roll to the Pharisees. Right. That's would say that, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. but then the next thing is he's talking to his disciples and they're like, oh, you know, and then he talks about the yeast of the Pharisees yeah. and they're like, oh, it's because we forgot to bread the bread. And he's like, oh, do you still not understand? Okay. Like, it can come off as this very sort of passive aggressive Jesus, right? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like he rolls his eyes at the Pharisees and he's like, oh, you guys, are you right. still so dull? Right. You know, that kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah, why don't you understand? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, 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 oh. Just you know, like come you on. do to me all the time. Yeah. Oh, oh, Bobby. No. <laughs> <laughs> My son, when I try to tell yeah. him something, oh, come uh, on, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Scott had this, re- I think, you know, what he did in the end of it was this, this, um, what I took away from it anyway was you have to read that moment of uh, Jesus asking them, do they still not understand, in the larger context of his continuing relationship with them. So, do you still not understand is not the end of the conversation. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's actually in the middle of the conversation because he's not so fed up that he stops explaining to them. Mm -hmm. Like, and even if you take the worst possible, like the least generous explanation for Jesus in that moment, right? Then maybe he is fed up. Maybe he's like, I'm done with you guys for right now. The beauty is that's not the end of the conversation because he does come back and he does keep teaching them until they understand Mm. with his words, with his actions, with his death, with his resurrection. And I actually strangely, because of the way uh, Scott framed it, took a lot of comfort out of that to go, Mm. oh, so even if Jesus is a little fed up with me today, Maybe that's okay, right? Because he's—that doesn't mean he's done with me. He didn't me. shut it down. Yeah, yeah. He like, didn't walk away. Like, are there moments where Jesus rolls his eyes at me? I mean, probably, right? Mm. And yet, now from this story, I have this perspective that reminds me: oh, but that's okay. It's not okay. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to make Jesus frustrated. Um, but I can be confident that even if he is, that doesn't mean the end of it. Like he'll be there tomorrow, ready to, to work all over again. Right. Like even if, it, even if I'm so terrible one day, he's like, I'm, I'm done for the day, I'm going to bed, <laughs> you're on your own, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> At least tomorrow, he'll be back. And I, you know, like that's really the biggest thing I took away from that's Scott's really sermon was okay. um, read this moment in the context of this larger relationship, oh, yeah, which I thought right. was really beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful, so. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I also, I loved some of Scott's language around, uh, I love this idea that Jesus was profoundly curious mm. about Jesus's world. Yeah. Like that, just to, to like remember, oh, right, we're in a series of questions. Yeah. And that there it wasn't this, uh, he didn't seem to live as one who already knew all the answers, so right. why bother asking? Yeah. Uh, so I, I just enjoy. Again, I was like, "Hold up! I just want yeah. to hold up! I just want to think about that some more." And I, um, I think this is actually it's one of my main hopes with this series, mm-hmm. is in seeing all the ways that you know Scott and you and I are able to sort of relook at these questions, is to move people away from the assumption mm-hmm. that Jesus, this is just rhetorical for Jesus, yeah. because I think I think that's how I think sometimes. I'm yeah, like, if Jesus is asking do. a question, yeah. It's because he's trying to get somewhere. Right. Right. And I don't yeah. and sometimes I don't have this appreciation of Jesus just being curious and asking a question because he wants to know the answer. Right. Or he wants to provide opportunity for someone to speak. To reflect. Yeah. Um, you know, like and, and sometimes the way the questions are worded are so pithy, like, do you still not understand? Like right. that feels like it's not a genuine question. It's a rhetorical right. moment. 
And and I think like, can if you imagine you, if we were like that in our relationships? Like right. I was just always using rhetoric to yeah. make my point. Well, and I not do that. Care right? about, <laughs> you know, just think about our families. It's or, true, you know, right? Like not at all interested in what you actually bring yeah. as yourself to this. Yeah complicated world that we live in like and it very much sort of takes the humanity out of jesus yeah. and the humanity out of these um conversations so yeah. putting them back in these contexts where right. yeah jesus is a little frustrated right here yeah. but but still in the context of relationship and, right. and when jesus asks something you know he he cares about that answer he yeah. cares about that conversation that has been like if anything that opens up the stories just on its own just yeah. if you take that view yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. And you stop trying to get to what does Jesus, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what's his goal here? What's his ulterior motive? Right. Totally. You know, and you just read it for what it is. Yeah. What, what would this like, conversation be about? Right. right. So I, I hope people um, nice. can do that even in their own reading mm-hmm. through this series um, in these conversations. But I mean, I think I we. I just wonder how long it takes us to undo right. those uh, layers of mm-hmm. what we are reading on the words like I'm kind of even reading through the story today it was hard for me to kind of push aside this sort of snarky question (laughs) you know like why don't you understand (laughs) idiot (laughs) rather than like I love you Ah, okay let's do this because and and uh, so even your language there like isn't it isn't it um like we want a Jesus whose his love is always sort of um uh, gentle, but isn't there something profoundly loving about a Jesus who's just frustrated with our inability <laughs> to grasp something and still says, I'm, I am so frustrated right now, right. but I will not give up and right. I'll be back at this in the morning. Right. Like, isn't that an, a deep expression of right. love? And yeah. Ashley said, you know, here, um, resonating so much as a mom of a toddler, so many groans, no grease, decrease in love. <laughs> like, um, that kind of parental right. motherly love that yeah. says, I, you are driving me nuts right now, Bobby, <laughs> but I will be here tomorrow. Totally. Like, uh, in some ways, that feels... Yeah more true and more honest expression of love mm-hmm. than a Jesus who's always just like, yeah. oh, this is great. Like an it's actually great. love you yeah. can trust. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not always easy to love, even <laughs> for God, right? Yeah. Like um, God does because God is love. Yeah. But that doesn't always mean, right. you know, we're equally, you know, ready to accept and yeah, receive. and Exactly. And so a God who sticks with us yeah. even when we're less than simple to love. I'm like, right. that's actually... Like a strangely, profoundly beautiful image, you know, where my it son is. is driving me nuts. It is, yeah. And I'm like, you got to go to yeah, bed. Yeah, But of course I still love him. Right. Yeah, I think about, I think about my mom's like love for me as this like incredible, consistent thing. Yeah. And I often think of myself as just like, I'm an okay daughter. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. It's one of the roles in my life that I'm just okay at. I'm not an incredible daughter. And every time, you know, I, I call her, she's like, hey, sweetie. She's just always so good. And then I think she must just, uh, like, I frustrate her. I don't call her. How did you and I end up with, like, great parents like this? Because that's exactly the same thing. <laughs> like, they're so, she's so good. And I feel like when she hangs up the phone, I'm sure she still, like, loves me so much, but also, like, that woman. <laughs> I'm just like so caught up in my own stuff, my own goals, my own work all the I time. Know. So. I know. Oh, well. uh, 
the All right, what else you got? What else was beautiful for you? What else was beautiful? Well, should we talk a bit about subtext? Scott was doing some things with subtext in this sermon. Um, And I mean, I want to get to this question that Yelena asked her groups um, kind of as a way to wrap up. I mean, we're at 840 already, so... But do we want to say a little bit about what Scott was doing with subtext? He used Fight Club as a reference in the Starbucks cup, which I'd seen Fight Club and read the book, but I don't remember any of that. (laughs) I mean, the idea, yeah, for Scott was just this idea that, um, you know, the the conversation about bread um, and so the yeast comes out of the conversation of bread and the bread comes out of the conversation of Jesus feeding this crowd with bread. So in some sense, um, you know, there's this there's this theme that Mark is creating here Mm -hmm. that's leading to this kind of encounter, right? Was this part of what Scott was saying about it's not always like the words that Jesus is saying, but it's also like the places he goes. Yeah, it's 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 like all these little things. that's hidden in behind. So the the random phrase, you know, be careful for the yeast of bad teaching is not just a random thing. It ties in um, you you know, if if you've got him talking about yeast of bad teaching here and you've got him demonstrating good teaching as he makes bread and gives it to people. Yeah. You, you're talking about a contrast there. Bad teaching is just just ideas that go in your head. Good teaching is generous and kind and shares. Like, but that's not there in the text of the story. Right. That's there in the contrast because right. bread is throughout the right. whole narrative, which I think is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and the way that um, a physical appearance of bread mm-hmm. is now contrasted with a teaching point mm-hmm. about yeast and bread and how those are meant to interact with each other. Right. Um, so, and, and, you know, his illustration was, yeah, Fight Club. There's always yeah. a Starbucks cup right. because it's commentary on yeah. consumerism. Yeah. So Which how is this do we... beat, like, to the whole right. film. Yeah, it's yeah. like these are really unhappy people who are... Or I don't know. Yeah, are buying violence. things and it's not yeah, helping yeah, them. Yeah, it's not helping them. So yeah, the the interesting thing then for scripture is how do you read in ways that's aware of um, those things below the surface, mm-hmm. and that reminds you that oh, when Jesus is talking about yeast, let let me take a look. If he's talking about yeast of bad teaching, mm-hmm. is there examples that have to do with bread and yeast that show me a counterpoint? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a it's not a like that's a sophisticated way to read, right? right. Um, but I think Scott is absolutely right that it's clearly sort of an intended part of this narrative structure, yeah. the way it's been put together, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's what we call subtext, which I, I think yeah. was a you know really profound sort yeah, of insight beautiful. into it. Um, so one of the things that Elena asked groups yes. this week was, um, "What's been showing up for you again and again in your yeah. life?" Which was a really great question. Right? Yeah, because you know, yeah. what's the subtext of yeah, your life? Yeah, exactly. So. Like what? And she had her own story that she shared uh, about just these profound moments mm-hmm. in her life that she looks back and thinks, "Ah, this has been subtext and quite directive." Yeah. What did, What comes to your mind when you think about? It's a good question. Something like that that's yeah. been really sort of directive or mm-hmm. like a consistent theme of. Yeah, I love the question. I, I love the question, I and I'm struggling to right sort of now. answer like right now. And, and yeah. I mean, I think sometimes that's that's just honest. Is we don't always have those yeah. recurring themes. I think that is one of the ways yeah. that spirit speaks to us. Yeah, you know, is, is you notice things over yeah. and over again. Um, you know, and to be I, fair, like we talked about this before we went on air. Yeah. And so I've had time, and yet I still haven't sort yeah. of come up with that. Right. What's that beat that's that's right. recurring for me right now? Right. 
Um, I mean, I'm kind of getting caught up in like uh, back to the beginning, the Halloween stuff of yeah. it. Like there's always this kind of like teachable thing for me at mm. this time of year that I'm like, I almost forget how much I love it. And then I'm like, all right, I love this. There's something for me to like mm. pay attention to and my delight in it. Yeah, I, I was thinking about those things sitting side by side as I was thinking about why should sermons be beautiful? Mm-hmm. And then I got thinking about humor and like mm. what, what, you know, there's sometimes like humor is quite beautiful. Like it can be like, wow, that joke was like put together so yeah. beautifully and masterfully. Mm-hmm. It can also be kind of grotesque if it like takes down someone sure. or like is at the expense of someone. Anyways, yeah. um, so I was thinking about what is, yeah, some of this like subtext of, um, yeah, like mm-hmm. beauty is such an an interesting value for me. But so I'm I'm kind of interested in like the grotesque as well. And like that that one kind of brings out sure. the other. <laughs> You're kind of creeped out. No, I'm just I think it's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, any uh Yeah, I I don't have a great answer for that right uh, now. I mean I've I've been reading themes. Hmm. Because um, I've been reading sort of similar authors. I mentioned yeah. James Cohn. I'm reading that right now. Right. Uh, I've also been reading James Baldwin, which is, I mean, he's he's a very Cohn is a great theologian. Baldwin, um, who's another, I don't, I don't know if you'd call him a theologian. He just anyway, talks about all things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but about race yeah. and about being black in America and stuff. But um, very poetic writer yeah. and stuff. So I mean, those are themes. But those are themes that I've thought I've sought out right. um, to try to sort of expand my awareness around some yeah. things, um, particularly in this season. Yeah. Um, so those are themes that are sort of reoccurring in my reading. Right. But not necessarily things that are popping up in the yeah. background in the subtext. Right. Yeah. I'd have to give that more thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is sort of. Part of Scott's point is that subtext is hard to notice. Yeah, that's right. It's right? like, yeah, it's the small stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both the the good small stuff and the right. negative small stuff. Yeah, and you have to sort of um, be exegeting yeah. your world all the time to know those um, those yeah. things that are coming up over and over again. Right, right, right. Yeah, what does God say? Pay attention to the small things as the biggest step in our journey toward wholeness. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's an interesting conversation going in the comments here. Oh, yeah. You know that uh, we're talking about autism and you know um, neurodivergence and what it means. You know, in terms of relationships. You know, being loved, being difficult to be loved. You know, all these types of things. But when you talk about subtext, I mean, I think this is one of those interesting mm. pieces mm-hmm. because um, we have certain subtexts that we've adopted in our um, view of ourselves and the view of people around us in terms of. Um, what's neurotypical, Mm -hmm. therefore, what's easier or less easy to love Mm -hmm. because we've gotten used to certain things. Like now um, neurotypical is the subtext, right? right? So now anybody who's different than that thinks differently, reacts differently, has different Mm -hmm. sort of, um, you know, emotional capacities, they stand out Mm -hmm. and and they sort of rise to the surface. And then we either get, we either back away or we lean towards, you know, all those different types of things. But understanding the ways that subtext can also uh, make us aware of um, difference in our midst Mm -hmm. and the ways that subtext, what's normal to us, quote unquote, um, can make us less ready to embrace um, those who are different, those who experience the world differently. Mm -hmm. So subtext can be this beautiful thing of this thing that keeps popping up. How do we become aware of that? How do we notice that? Subtext can also be the thing that steals from us the beauty of anything that's different because it's different and it looks scary and we set it aside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so maybe sometimes um, 
you know, subtext becomes you know, sort of the ground around us. And when some things pop up, we notice those things as well. Mm-hmm. And we learn new ways, you know, to embrace people. We learn new ways to welcome people right. into community, all that, which can be another way that subtext sort of, um, it, in and of itself, it doesn't help or hinder us, but it's something to be aware of all the time. Yeah. And again, going back to Cone, Mm-hmm. There's there's a subtext of how what I think is neutral when I read the Bible, but yeah. that's because I'm a white straight man, right. you know. And so, how am I aware of difference? How does yeah. that? Um, I'll, how do I allow that to speak to me? Right. How do I learn from somebody who's you know um, neuro atypical? How do I learn from someone who's a woman? How do I learn from all these stories and incorporate them in right. and not let the subtext of what's normal to me and the way I view mm-hmm. my world dominate everything around right. me. I mean, it makes me think about our conversation last week around scholarship and like finding, because right. I've been, so, I just yep. get so frustrated when I go looking for voices and they all mm-hmm. come to me from like white guys in certain parts of the West. Yeah. You they're, know, that, from, they're Germans. <laughs> if they were written in the 20th century, they're Germans. But it's That's just, where all the good theology yeah, it, it, yeah, it has, <laughs> it has made me, you know, like, is anybody mm-hmm. else think that this is wild, that these are the only voices that yeah. really are shaping, yeah. like, our take on these texts? This is great. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to some of the point we've been talking about is as soon as you, as an author yeah. or a theologian, as soon as you name that, well then, great. Now we can now we can have a conversation about that. But when you're so steep that you don't even know in your that. subtext that you don't know that you're a, a white male theologian, yeah. you just think you're doing pure theology. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. When you say, I mean, this is my context. This is where I'm coming from. Yeah. This is my prolegomena. This is how I see the world, and this is how I'm doing in theology. Then that can be set up against you know the theology of James Cone, and you can yeah. say, oh, like this is this is how right. why we read differently, and yeah. this is why these different perspectives. Are right, important. Right, right. But when it's just this, when the yeah. context isn't named, then the context becomes subtext to mm-hmm. the theology that's being written. Mm-hmm. And when the subtext doesn't get acknowledged, that's when yeah. it actually becomes um, well in the in the context of white you know, European, it becomes white supremacist because it's like, that's now the default. Yeah. And if you're a black theologian, you have to prove why your theology should be considered at the table. Or if you're a woman, you have to prove why your perspective should be at the table. Right. Nothing wrong with white men doing theology. Yeah. That's not the point of all this woke conversation. The point is realizing that white men doing theology are not the only people doing theology. Yeah. And their voice, you know, should have a seat at the table. Right. But it shouldn't be the it table. Be, yeah, it shouldn't be the table. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's the problem. It sort of feels is like because it once is. it becomes the table, everyone else has to sort of fight for their yeah. voice there. Yeah. And I and I think this is what you were talking about last week. You yeah. know, in terms of scholarship and part of where we ended up today. Yeah. On some of these things. But. Yeah. Huh. Well, what are you grateful for? Grateful for oh, it's eight fifty already. Yeah, ra- um, I'm wrapping this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think, you know, out of the conversation today, I, you know, I don't know if I would have started here on this, but I am thankful <laughs> for, um, first of all, the uh, awareness that I've come to, to seek out some of those other voices um, in my life mm-hmm. and to be deeply influenced and reshaped by that theology that I'm reading. Um, I'm thankful for the ways that that then plays into the way that I preach, mm-hmm. that I, 
you know, back to where we've been talking about. I don't try to preach in ways that tell you what the scripture is about. I'm trying to find ways that honor your voice in your head as you read. And I'm trying to do that in a beautiful way that draws something out of you. And I'm thankful for the way that that feeds back into how I read theology and how I become fascinated again with the text all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I do. That's how it's living. Yeah, I, I do find myself it. still at this point, mm-hmm. 20 years into my career. Yeah fascinated with the Bible uh, and fascinated with Jesus. And I think Jesus still has so much to speak to us and teach to us. Um, And all of this new, you know, uh, awareness and reading and perspective only makes all of that more beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. So in the light of this conversation, that's certainly something that I'm, I'm very grateful for because I want to do this job for a long time. Yeah. You know, and I, and that means it needs to be interesting to me for a long time. So you, what are you grateful for? Um, Halloween. I also, we didn't, I keep going back to something Peter said in the comments. I mm-hmm. find it easy to learn. It's hard to unlearn slash Oh re-learn. man, that's a great comment. And so true. I know. I so think, true. I think sometimes that's what's keeping me always interested is yeah. that I'm still like, there are so many things I want to unlearn about the divine mm-hmm. and the ways that we speak and experience. Yeah. I mean, it's. So back to where we started. I mean, did we talk about the 666 video? I don't know. No, we okay, haven't. Yeah, we did earlier. If you're on there, I put on a video about 666 and where that comes from and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, where it came from was, yeah, somebody sent me a, a sermon about this pastor who's like, oh, as we all know, you know, the, the current events are leading to, you know, the one world government and the Antichrist. And I'm like, what do you mean we all know that? I'm like, right. that's, a, that's a very modern niche interpretation within a, a, you know, a sect of evangelical Christianity. Most Christians do not hold that kind of view of revelation. But it's exactly that. It's like once you've learned something, like this is what this passage means, it can be very disorienting and very hard to come back and and hear things in a new way. And I hope, I think you hope this too, one of the things that we do at Commons is try to help people read things in a new way. Not for the novelty of it. Right. But just to recognize there are, there are, there are layers and their yeah, perspectives yeah, yeah. and there is so much more beauty here yeah. to mine in these scriptures. Right. And you can do the same story yeah. over and over. I'm doing the Good Samaritan on Sunday. <laughs> You know, right. but but I'm going to focus on it in a totally different way, looking at the question that leads into it, not the question that leads out of it. Right. All of a sudden this week, I was like, okay, totally new perspective on this story. And, and the the fact that we bring different voices yes. to the text, like we just dialogued with Scott's voice right. tonight, um, also is this uh, example of you know what yeah. you're saying. So sorry, this was your grateful, but I'm, I I think it's really profound to talk about the the beauty of unlearning something. I think yeah, it's just I know, I so really, important. Yeah, it it is really so. it's hard work. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah. So what are you unlearning? Oh gosh, everything. Like, no, right I don't. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, <laughs> I love Halloween. Let's uh, carry on. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, what are we at? We're at fifty-four. Yeah. You got anything else on your agenda? I don't. Okay. No, I don't think I do. This was this was our lowest energy after party. I think we did okay. No, but but I mean, like it was like a nice like. <laughs> Calm conversation. Well, <laughs> we were hysterically laughing. No feet got into the shot. I know, thank. So, <laughs> it was good. Thank the saints. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone. Yeah, yeah, always nice. Always nice.